generosity and, um, and what that looks like for the life of a Christian. And we spent a couple of weeks talking about money, which is everybody's favorite subject to talk about, right? And then last week we talked about time. But today I want to talk to you about investing your life. Um, you know, Frederick, can I share what you shared with me? Can I? Because it, it was so powerful for you to share that to me with me in the altar this morning. Just this morning when I was praying for people, Frederick came to, to me and he said, I, I don't need healing, I just need to tell you a story. And he said that, um, I'll paraphrase it, okay, Frederick, so if I'm off a little bit, forgive me. But bottom line is, uh, the Lord let him have a taste of what sin looks like and what life without Christ will look like in eternity. And he said it, it completely, um, well, he, he used the word that I used just a couple weeks ago, surrender. And um, so really, uh, yeah, amen. Because so, I'll tell you this. More fearful to me than hell and the torment of hell and the pain and suffering that's going to be there it is the lostness without Jesus Christ, knowing that you will never again feel the love of a Savior. You will be void of any spiritual contact, any feeling, you know, those goosebumps you get here when the Holy Spirit's on you and, and that tugging on your heart even before you were saved. You will not experience that hell. You will be completely and totally lost. And I said a couple of weeks ago that I feel like a lot of Christians are stuck in this place between salvation and surrender. So what I want to talk to you today about investing your life is, is that squishy middle that I want to cover. It's, it's that place where we get to, like Frederick said this morning, I just feel like I've completely surrendered to God. And that's powerful, amen? And that's what we want to talk to you. So if I were to ask you this question, if this, if this was the end of your life and I asked you, was it worthwhile? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? Is life worthwhile? Has life been worthwhile? How do you re really measure whether or not your life has mattered, whether or not your life has been worthwhile? What, what standards, what measurements do you use in laying that out and setting that up and thinking those things through? I know that my measurements back before Christ were a little bit different than they are today, amen? Actually, they were a lot different. There was no measurement. It was all about me, right? It was all about me. But I, wanna, I want you to turn your attention to the book of Matthew, chapter 25. Most of you are very familiar with the story, but we're going to read it anyway because it's the Word of God, and it's powerful, and it's able to transform lives. Amen? Matthew, chapter 25, it's the, it's the story, the parable of the talent. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about this, but we're going to read these verses, and then we're going to pray and I'm going to preach to you. I have a five-point sermon. I've got 25 minutes to get through it. That's five minutes of point. Amen? Good luck, Pastor Ron. Actually, the content in between, they're pretty much self-explanatory. You'll see what I'm talking about. But let's read, beginning in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And, like, and likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those whose servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me to, to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. 
enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to them, to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came to the Lord and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you, there, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that I am surrounded by people in this building today that love you, want to serve you, want to live their lives for you. Sometimes we get caught up in the squishy middle between surrender and salvation, and we just start living life and doing it the best we know how. Lord, your word is clear. It teaches us what life should look like here on this planet. It also teaches us what life will look like on the other side. But Lord, while we're here, I pray that we would hear and know and understand the things of God today that would help us to draw close to you and to become to that place of surrender in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, if you come on Tuesday, I really share a lot of my story, a lot of my testimony, and I, I don't go there too much in this room. But a part I want to tell you about me is before Jesus, at the, at the very end of, of my running amok, let's call it. Uh, it was bad. And, and as I began to be introduced to Jesus, there was something that I made a deal with the Lord. I told the Lord way back when, if you're real, if this thing is real, and, and if, if you exist, and, and you can change my life, and you can do all those things that I search for, and all those other stuff, you know, all the stuff that I've done, all the stuff that we've done, I will, I will give my life to you at the same level I gave my life to all the things of the world. And you don't know what extremes I went to to stay loaded and to stay high and to stay, to stay number one in my own eyes. I went to great lengths. So what that meant for me was that I was going to have to go to great lengths to live for the Lord. But it was a deal I was willing to make with him. But here's the kicker. When I came to Christ, I realized I had nothing to offer him. I had nothing to offer him, but what I had, I offered him. And I have not changed my mind about that in almost 20 years of serving him. It's all or nothing, God. It's, 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 it's extreme or I'm done. I'm in this till eternity or I'm out. It's all in or all out. There is no happy middle for me. There is no, there is no squishy middle place. I can't, I'm not satisfied with salvation. I'm not satisfied with knowing that one day I'll spend eternity in heaven. That's great. Hallelujah. But why do I want to be satisfied with that and not get to surrender and be miserable in the middle? And there's so many Christians that I get to talk to every day that I get to love on that, that are in that middle place and they're miserable 
because they have not given their life to Jesus Christ in that regard. Yeah, you're saved. Yeah, you're on your way to heaven. Yeah, one day you'll be in eternity. But can I tell you, there's joy on this side. There's, there's experience on this side that God wants you to have. He called it life abundant. And he's got all these great plans, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, for your life. And, and it's to prosper you and not to harm you. It's to give you a hope and a future. In the parable of the talent, the, the, the Lord, the master, in other translations, gave large amounts of money that were supposed to be invested. The definition of talent is, is a unit of money equivalent to, some scholars say, about $1,000 each talent. Now, back in those days, that's a grip of cash. And today's today, that's a grip of cash. Anyone wants to give me a talent, I'll take it. Amen? I need a few hundred talents to build the building. Amen? A few hundred thousand talents would be great. It's the same Greek word that, that it's talenton. I can actually pronounce one of these, Mike. Hallelujah. It's the same Greek word that, that we have used in today's society to get the word talent that we use as talent, you know, abilities or, or special qualities that you and I have. Same Greek word, talent. So in, in the translation into to, to modern day, we're talking, yes, about finances. Absolutely, we've already covered that. But we're also talking about the abilities God's given us. And whatever God has given you, whether it be money, position, status, opportunities, abilities, that talent is to be used for His glory. That's why we have it, to give it to God. When God gives us something, we need to give it back. The question is, how can I use what the Lord has given me? I believe there are just three options available to us. Number one, we can bury it and never use it. Or we can spend it on frivolous living and it's all about me and what can I get out of this special talent God has given me. Listen, God wants you to live prosperous, okay? God wants you and gave you that talent so that you can have an abundant life. But it goes beyond that. The third thing is we can invest it in the things of God and we can get more out of it. So I want to share with you quickly five principles. Yeah, it's a five-point sermon. Five principles that, that, that I believe that come out of, this, out of this parable that helps us to understand how to invest our life today. Number one, there it is, understand ownership. You've got to understand that, that there's ownership involved here, and you have, to, you have to, the subline is believe that you have something. Man, there's so many defeated Christians that think they have nothing to offer. And when I came to the Lord, trust me, I had nothing left to offer. But what I had, I said, God, I'll give it to you. Whatever that is, whatever I've got left in me, God, I'll give it to you. And I'll serve you every day of my life. Listen, everybody has a superpower. I happen to be Batman. All right, all right, all right. I'm not saying I'm Batman, but what I am saying is you've never seen me and Batman in the same room at the same time. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But everybody has a superpower. Maybe you'll identify with one of these. The power to be invisible when no one's looking at you. <laughs> a few years ago, Ashley would be like this and think I couldn't see her, right? How about this? The power to teleport yourself to the exact same position. I just did that right now. How about this one? The power to hold your breath underwater until you're wet. It's a superpower, I'm telling you. The power to be 13% bulletproof. And if you didn't know, you are that already. 
skin is about 13% bulletproof, all right, skin and bone. But everybody has something to contribute. Everybody has something, has been given something in their life. Look back at verse 14 in our text. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Listen, I came into this thing feeling bankrupt and empty, and God gave me things to work with. God began to put things in my life because I said, you know what, Lord, I'll use them for your glory. I'm an empty, I'm bankrupt without you, and I'm an empty vessel. And I'll tell you something, God likes empty vessels because it's something that he can fill up with. The problem is sometimes we come to the Lord and we think we know what's going on and we've got it all figured out. And man, there's no room for God to put some stuff in there, amen? You cannot make an impact in somebody else's life without understanding that if God is the Lord of your life, he will work through you. He will work through you. Everything we have belongs to God. He owns this life and everything that we have, the tithe, the other 90%, our time, all belongs to God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Talked about that last week. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. But everything we have, if we use it for His glory, He'll use it to bless the people we are called to reach. Amen? Do you know that God has specifically identified people on this planet that you are called to reach? Who, me? Yeah, you. Every single one of you, you are not exempt of that calling. We are all called to go and make disciples, amen? So if we offer our talents to God, He can do more with them than we could ever do with them on our own. You might be talented, you might be able to get a few things done in your own power. Praise God, you're educated, you've got work experience, you've been doing that job 30 years, but I guarantee if you give that experience, strength, and hope to God, He can do more with it, amen? No one is beyond teachability. In fact, that's the reason he gave you those abilities to bless a world around you. If God owns it all, that means we have, to, we have what it takes, listen, to get the job done. We have what it takes to get the job done. If the Lord says, go make disciples, all that we have comes from him. So logically, that means we can get or did. Amen? Get her did. That's how they talk on the job sites, right? Get her did. Hit it with your purse. Anyway, all right. You no wonder somebody said, God will never lead you where his grace cannot keep you. God won't do that. Number two, understand distribution. Understand distribution. You need to believe that you have something unique. You have something unique. God is our master, and he delivers differently to everyone. Look at verse 15 in our text. He said, to to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Why? To each according to his own ability. Why does God treat us differently? Because we're different. Because we're different. We have different abilities. We have different skills. We have different education levels. We have different backgrounds, different upbringings. Amen? Maturity levels and so on. The list goes on. The master gave to them in order to, in, in relationship to their ability to be able to use it for his glory. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that God does that so we can complement one another. So that, that we can work together and that we're able to finish the task that God has called us to. What's that task again? Go. 
Go. Go. You're left on this planet to go. There may be another call on your life. There may be something else God is calling you to do. There may be another anointing on your life, maybe a, a call to preach, maybe a call to teach, maybe a call to evangelism. Maybe God wants to, to put the prophetic on your life, but we are all called to go. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 11 says, But one of the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as what? As he wills. He's the chooser of who gets what? If you back up to verse 4 in 1 Corinthians, it says these, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So everybody gets a gift, and everybody's gift is a little bit unique. It's all, it's, even if it's the same gift, it, there ain't nobody preaching like me. I don't know if that's good or bad. You be the judge. But the, you know what I'm saying? I'm called to preach. There are a lot of people called to preach, but I preach this way, and not everybody preaches this way. They do. Tell me about them. I'm having a talking with them. But, but the diversity in the body of Christ, it's critical to, to, to accomplishing the Great Commission. If we were all the same, we would reach that particular group and everybody else would stay lost. You, 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 everybody in this room it has a unique set of circumstances that God wants to use to reach people who like you. There are people who like you that probably won't like me. I don't understand it, but it's true. It happens sometimes, every once in a while. And I just say, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to know it. You know. But you know what I'm saying? I can't fit into every circle, but you can. And nobody is talentless. We're all given different portions, but listen, no one was, is left without anything. So invest your life like God wants you to. You've got to realize that you're unique. It was already said, everything today is set up this sermon. I don't, I don't usually spill my sermon notes with people. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You'll see that in Psalm 139, verse 14. Number three, understand utilization. Believe that you have something unique to contribute. If God gave you something unique, it's because you're supposed to be contributing that to the body of Christ. The master expected his servants to use what he had given them for his glory. He, he gave them something and expected them to use it. Look at verse 19. After a long time, the Lord... Uh, this is in our text. Sorry, Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. God expects us to do something with what he's given us. That's why he gave it to us. All investors expect a return. God is the investor of your soul. He invested Jesus Christ... For you, what an investment. God will one day ask you what you did with what he gave you. Bearing your talent, it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable in the body of Christ. Two of them invested and received something back. The third one buried his. He, he didn't, the master said, you didn't even get me simple interest on this thing. Simple interest is just letting your light shine. We all should be doing that. But he didn't even try. It, it, it all goes back to the principle of sowing and reaping. You will reap if, if you sow, what you sow. Huh. 
I'm going to leave that one alone. That's a whole other sermon right there. And God will bless what you use for him. Amen? And the reaction in this story to me at first took me off guard when he said, you lazy and wicked servant. Most of us would look at that and say, well, it's not wicked. He didn't, like, lose it. He, he buried it. You know, he gave it back to him. It's not like he stole it and spent it, which would have been my MO back in the day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but why would Jesus call that wicked? First, because it was a waste. But more importantly, it showed a lack of trust and appreciation for what was given to him. And sometimes we have our gifts, and we just sit on them. And you know what that, that shows? It shows a lack of trust and appreciation to the Lord for what he's given us. You have to trust that you have something unique to contribute. You do. Tell your neighbor you've got something unique to contribute. You really, you got to be convinced. God expects us to take risks. When we're willing to use it, then God can get the glory through it. Then God can do with it what he needs to do. But you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to give, it, to, 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 to give it back to God. Number four, understand motivation. What's my motivation? Sorry. I don't know why I sing. Ever since you came, Mike, I sing every service. And I, and I don't sing very good, so oh, you just bring it out of me. Hallelujah. I'm making a joyful noise, everybody. Joyful noise. That's what I'm doing. Amen. <laughs> Under, uh, believe that you have something unique to contribute through faith. I came to the Lord bankrupt. I came empty, void of anything. I thought I was worthless. I had been told I was worthless by several people. And I wouldn't amount to anything. You should just be locked up for the rest of your life. You're a menace to society. My third grade teacher told me I was rude, crude, and socially unacceptable. I won't tell you why he said that. He was right about that. But, but these were things that I got to hear even in my adulthood. And so when I came to the Lord and, and all of a sudden I began to see things in my life. And, and my pastor told me this is the greatest piece of wisdom my pastor ever said to me. He said, people are going to see things in you that you know aren't there. God put them there. You make sure he gets the glory. You make sure you use those for him. Greatest piece of advice my pastor could. I still remember that today, and that was 20 years ago. And he's right. People compliment me in areas that I know I am not skilled in. They tell me things about my life that I'm like, got you fooled. No, no, but, but really, what they're seeing is what God is doing. Because I don't have any... any I don't have any experience in that. I don't have any upbringing in that. I don't have any education in that. People think I have a, a gift of administration. Well, it's definitely a gift because it is not a skill. <laughs> but listen, it requires faith. Why? Because fear paralyzes us. It paralyzes from ever doing anything for God. Matthew 25, 25, it said, I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. What kind of fears do we experience? We, we experience self-doubt, don't we? I can't do it. I, I still feel that way sometimes. God, me? I don't feel worthy. I feel, I feel like the, there's got to be somebody else that could do this better than me. And you know what? There might be people that can do it better than me. The thing is, I'm called to do it, whatever it is I'm doing. And whatever it is you're doing, you're called to do it. So do it to the best of your ability. 
Another fear we have is self-pity. Woe is me. We talked about Eeyore's religion last week, didn't we? I think I called it Igor. It was bad. It was all bad. Oh, I've only got one talent. I, I can't make a difference. Man, it doesn't matter how little or how much God's given you, you can make a difference. We, we have self-consciousness. Sometimes we're more worried about what other people think than what God thinks. Segway. I, I, I want to I speak to you from my heart about worship. I think sometimes we don't let ourselves go because we're afraid of what other people will think of us in an atmosphere of worship. I, I literally went through this as a young Christian, embarrassed about this kind of thing, not real sure. This was worship for me when I first got saved. <laughs> in the back of the room, right, you know? A little while later, it's like... <laughs> got the head nod going on, you know what I'm saying? Right? And, and then pretty soon it's just like, whatever. 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 If you want to think I'm crazy, someone, someone made a comment about, oh, at the women's retreat, Pastor Janie said something about, does Pastor Ron still worship like he... See, some of the ladies were laughing just like that. You know what that, you know what that does? That blesses me. That blesses me. Yeah, you think I'm crazy in worship. You should see me when I'm at home alone. Hallelujah. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, God doesn't care too much about the mistakes that you, you've made in the past or the mistakes that you might make. He just wants you to do something. He wants to know, will you use what I've given you to make a difference in the world that I've planted you in? That's what he wants to know. Faith means that you're willing to try, that you're willing to allow God to do his part in your life, that you're willing just to get up off your to-do-nothing and do something, amen? That you're willing to try. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, without faith it's impossible, impossible to please God. Without faith, you cannot please him. You've got to have faith. You've got to get up off your to-do-nothing and do something. Amen? My pastor used to call it the southern hemisphere. What risks have you taken with the talents God has given you? Have you stepped out in faith? Have you stepped out into that place where God has called you to and, and take a risk? You cannot mess up nothing God can't fix. Trust me, I know I'm an expert at it. Amen? God would rather you fall flat on your face trying than to never try at all. He would. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. Understand returns. Last, last point. Believe that you have something unique to contribute through faith and be rewarded. Be rewarded. There's rewards for, for stepping out in faith. There's rewards for, for doing the things God has called you to, for being obedient to the talents that God has given you. Matthew 25, verse 28 said, The master said, Take the talent from the guy who did it with the one and give it to the one who has ten, because more is given to those who are obedient to the things of God. Listen, if you, if you just sit on it, you're going to lose it. When you use what God's given you, you'll find yourself re receiving more than you ever thought possible. Stepping out in blind faith is the greatest thing a Christian can do because God will always catch you, amen? 
Ask several of us who just picked up and moved, and some of you have done the same thing. You, you've quit a job knowing God spoke to you and God answered the call. Amen? There's always, uh, I'm, God, I didn't tell anybody to quit their job. I did not say that to you. Let the Lord tell you that. If that's, <laughs> Daryl's like, all right, here I go. No. <laughs> and this is what happens. Verse 23 of our, of our text says, The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. God is the rewarder of those who live their lives for him. After this life is gone, listen, we will give an account for how we've lived it. 2 Corinthians, this is how I'm closing today. Chapter 5, verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. We all want to hear the master say, well done, good and faithful servant. We all are going to stand at the judgment seat one day, and you'll hear one of two things, well done or depart from me, you worker of iniquity. And I believe it all goes into living our life for Jesus. First, you've got to get to that place of salvation. Man, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not made him Lord of your life, you're going to hear one thing, depart from me. And you're going to be in that place where there's gnashing of teeth and all that terrible stuff, but it's going to be even worse than that. It's going to be void of the Spirit of God. It's going to be void of any kind of, any kind of comfort, any kind of joy, any kind of uh, uh, good feeling that you've ever had in your life. You will never experience. You will feel the worst fear you've ever felt in your life. You'll feel that for eternity, and it'll be even beyond that. I'm not trying to scare you into heaven because that's not how you get there. I'm just trying to remind us Christians today that there are a lot of people out there that are dying that way that will spend their eternity in hell if we don't invest our lives in seeking after them. The challenge to us today is to serve him with excellence, to give him everything that we have. So with closing today, I want to ask you the same question I asked you in the beginning of the sermon. If today was the last day of the rest of your life, would you be able to say it was worth it? Would you be able to say that life has been worth it? Only you can answer that question. The Lord can too. And he will one day for you if you're not willing to answer it for yourself. My encouragement to you today is invest your life. Listen, I surrendered my soul to to Jesus Christ 20 years ago, and I have not regretted a second of it. There are many, if you've done that, when you got saved, you surrendered your life, raise your hand. I want to I get a witness. I want to see the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. It gives hope to those of us today who are questioning this or are in the middle. And I want to close with this, with this poem. Most of you have probably heard it, and this is just a piece of it. It's, it's called The Dash. You'll hear it at funerals sometimes. But just listen to the words as we close. I read of a man who stood to speak at a funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that the first came her date of her birth and spoke of the date that followed with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we owe, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. 
This is the dash. Living our life for Jesus Christ is the dash. And trust me, it's just a, a moment. It's just a moment in eternity, the life that God has given us here today. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here today and, and Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, that's the starting place for this. If you want this life, if you want abundant life, if you want a life that, that is free from fear, and free from, from joylessness, and free from, I even want to say pain, because I'm talking about a pain where our heart longs for something that's, that's missing, then I want, I want to introduce you to my friend Jesus today. And if that's you, would you raise your hand? Say, Pastor, I want to pray. Is there anybody here today that does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Praise God. Praise God. And we're all Christians here. So I'm preaching to the choir today. So if you're willing to invest your life today, no matter what that may look like, I just want you to lift your hand with me. Jesus' hands are raised all over this place. That is the first step of surrender. Throwing up our hands and saying, I can't live this life without you, Lord. God, I pray as we invest our lives in you, we already know what you'll do. You'll bring it back to us. Joy, unspeakable and full of glory, with life abundant. We are the head and not the tail. We are the first and not the last. Lord, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I pray for those that are searching out what that looks like, that talent, what that talent is in their life. God, I pray that you would just cause them to step out in faith just to try and see. The word of God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Father, I pray that each one of us would step out and taste. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.